Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of The Young Gun Show. This episode is once again sponsored by iNatillo.com, hotspots for online professionals. I-N-A-U-T-I-L-O.com is the site to visit. Before we get into the show, there are a few big announcements I like to make. First off, I've just printed up a batch of Young Gun Show stickers, so um, these are not any anything cheap. These are uh, really nice, high-quality inch die cut stickers from uh, sticker mule and they look great on notebooks or laptops or whatever so if you're interested in getting one of those head on over to younggunshow.com stickers and uh, have a look the other big announcement this week is that sadly this is tim's last episode on the young gun show yes uh i would first off like to say that you should visit younggunshow.com slash stickers uh, because the design of that is amazing um, you should totally check it out. <laughs> I'm doing that just a just a bug. Anyway, um, that has that has been pretty much the theme of of me on the show. Um, but yeah, this will this will be my last uh, my last episode. Um, it's a sad thing, but it's not like uh, it's not like Galen and I are having like a talk show type of fight or anything. <laughs> like um, I, I'm. I'm I'm leaving because uh, because I'd like to have a little bit more time to myself. Um, I want to be able to you know uh, sit down on the couch every once in a while and and be able to watch some TV and uh, and I have some other things that I'm that I'm working on. Um, so yeah, that's that's why I, I'm leaving. But it's really sad and and uh, but the Young Gun Show will go on and it's going to be totally awesome even uh, without me. Yeah, well, it's been great having you here, Tim, and you've taught me personally a lot about podcasting, so um, thank you for the episodes you've been on, and um, man, just thanks for everything, and wish you the best of luck in everything everything you continue to do in the future. Our guest this week is Tony Jamile. He's an entrepreneur, software developer, and startup enthusiast. He speaks frequently at tech conferences about WordPress, web performance, and agile web development. Tony, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, well, thank you for coming on. Um, I, I've really kind of been looking for some time for a, a really hardcore developer guy to come on the show. Uh, maybe it's just the this the sphere I'm in, but I, I tend to, uh, I don't know, lean, uh, find myself inviting designers on the show quite frequently. So um, it was really cool to you know find a hardcore developer guy. And uh, so I guess we'll just get straight to it. How did you get into web development? Uh, that's a great question. So I, I actually got into web development through writing. Uh, I, when I was in high school, I started a freelance writing company, and I, I had always been really into computers. Um, I did some HTML and CSS. Uh, well, actually, not very much CSS, but I did. Uh, <laughs> I had a good good foundation of table layouts, uh, and then I started writing for a, a couple of blogs. Um, I, I was a sports writer. And that, that was my first exposure to WordPress, which at the time was called B2. Um, oh, wow. And, so this is, this is really a ways back there. Yeah, this was, this was a ways back. Um, and I, uh, I, I realized that in order for me to 
get to the stage that I wanted to get with writing, being able to publish my own posts, that I'd have to become better at programming. And uh, a couple of weeks of programming, and I was I was absolutely hooked. And that's uh, I stopped writing shortly after, and I just became um, addicted uh, to web development. Now, how long ago was this? Uh, I probably I probably get really hooked uh, when I was about eighteen. Um, so it was about four years ago is when I really took it professionally, uh, and I, I opened up my first company at my freshman year of college. Um, but I, I was I would say I was hooked on computers uh, probably by by high school, very early on in high school. Okay, so so um, you run the shop called Two Drafts, and that was was that one of your was that your early on web company? No, no, it was not. Um, <laughs> My first, my first uh, web company was actually called Iconic, um, and then I started uh, freelancing under a company uh, called Tributary Development, which was a horribly difficult name to pronounce. Um, I realized pretty quickly on that secretaries had a very difficult time emailing me or taking down my email address over the phone because I couldn't spell tributary. Um, and I realized that I was in need of a rebrand, but I wanted to do something really fun. And uh, at the time, I, I had been working with Sean Farrell, uh, Brainplay. Uh, I realized that I wanted to do something fun, so I teamed up with Sean and uh, launched Two Graphs in August of 2009. Oh, okay. So that's, that's actually fairly recent. Now explain the name Two Giraffes. Uh, so, so me and my my partner uh, TJ, who's who's the other giraffe, he's actually six foot four. Uh, we're both six foot four, so we're both uh, very very tall guys, uh, and that and that's where the name came from. Oh, that's awesome. So, uh, I mean, what's what's a typical project that two giraffes look like? What kind of things do you guys do there? Well, typically, uh, a lot of it's WordPress related work and front end work. Um, and a lot of the WordPress work that we do is, is large scale. Um, so uh, I, I really enjoy doing web performance uh, on WordPress, whether that's front end or back end web performance. Uh, so typically now the, the types of projects that I like to take are WordPress blogs doing, you know, over half a million hits a month um, who, who are running, who either need to migrate to more sophisticated hardware setups or uh, they're having scalability problems and, and they come to us to fix those things. Right. Well, and you guys recently, or I'm not even sure how recent this was, but you guys uh, were responsible for the, most of the development on the Wake Forest uh, site, correct? Right. Yeah, that's correct. And, I mean, that's a pretty massive site, so. Yeah. That was awesome. A, that that was, is so awesome. That was a big project. That was a really, really fun project. Uh, that was something that we actually teamed up with. Uh, we were brought in on that project uh, by an agency called OvenBits out of Dallas. Um, and we worked with them on some WordPress implementation, and that was a lot of fun. Those are typically, we have a lot of other projects that we've done around that size that just aren't on our portfolio because of non-disclosure agreements and whatnot. Uh, but those are typically the types of projects that we like to take, things of that, of that size. Wow. So, I mean, I don't know how much this you can share, but just just to give us some perspective on, I mean, um, maybe the scalability of WordPress, how how much traffic does that get? And I mean, how much content is that serving? Well, I actually did not set up the hardware on that side, so I don't know uh, anything what the hosting numbers look like. Wake Forest is an IT department, took care of that. Um, but I can tell you based off of 
uh, an architectural standpoint, that was probably the largest WordPress site um, I have ever built. Uh, it was extremely, extremely extended to essentially it became its own CMS um, to a certain degree because it had a lot of additional uh, custom functionality that was built in through, through custom post types. Wow. So, yeah, people say, people say, you know, is it powerful enough to be any more than a blog? I, heck yeah. I think WordPress is a full-blown CMS at this point. I think after WordPress 3.0, um, it's more than powerful enough to, to power even, even the biggest of, of uh, commercial sites. Yeah. It almost feels to me like the one place where you still got to do, I mean, a heck of a lot of work to get it there is maybe uh, e-commerce, but uh, stuff like the new, uh, I don't remember, WooCommerce, I think is what they call it. But um, yeah, but even that's becoming easier. Yeah, I've, I've done a couple of WooCommerce projects. I mean, I, I don't I typically don't recommend WordPress for uh, large-scale e-commerce, but for simpler things, it definitely works. I mean, WooCommerce really, really helps that. It hats off to to the Woo Themes guys uh, for, for building that plugin. Yeah, definitely. So, Two Giraffes, that's not your only project. Uh, you have many, in fact, but you, you're also the managing partner at Cloma Ventures, and that's a venture capital firm out of Las Vegas. So, how did that opportunity come about? So, I actually, uh, I, I don't work uh, at Cloma anymore. Um, I, I, took a, I took a leave of absence there back in, back in February. Um, to focus on my own startups. Uh, but I, I actually got hooked up with those guys. Paloma was a client of mine. I actually did their WordPress site. Um, and then we, we started working on other projects together. And I went out there to actually pitch them on a startup that I was working on. And uh, we liked each other so much that I actually ended up joining on the team. So at Paloma Ventures, what exactly did you do there uh, before? Uh, so I was actually a startup scout, and I built um, internal software for them. Uh, so I, I would look at interesting startups. They would I would bring them to Columbia, and then I would actually review their team and their code. Uh, so you, you're able to tell a lot about a startup uh, by their code um, to see how intelligent the team is, uh, if you think that they're going to actually be able to scale the idea from a tech perspective. And then I would actually like interview their developers and see if they were, you know, what we'd consider top talent. Uh, typically in a VC investment, half the battle is having a great team. And that was largely what I was uh, in charge of. Um, aside from that, uh, aside from scouting the actual startups, I would build internal tools to kind of help us manage um, our investments to help us uh, keep track of, of uh, a whole, a whole ton of metrics. We were very metric-driven and we were very data-driven. So I built a, a bunch of dashboards. Um, I built uh, data sharing for some of our remote workers, uh, things of that nature. And you, you built this all in PHP or? Uh, so no, no, that work was actually done in, uh, in Django. Oh, wow. Okay. What What's the appeal for Django? It kind of feels like, and again, I hang mostly in the design crowds, but it it seems like there's there's a few people that like it and those that do really do. So I have a confession, man. Um, in my my uh, latest venture, uh, my my one of my co-founders is a Ruby on Rails nut, and I'm starting to uh, to shift over to the dark side. Um, 
But I do like Django a lot uh, just because of Python syntax is really clean and easy to read. Um, and, and for me, it was the first uh, heavy web language that I got into. Um, I'm very comfortable with PHP, but it's just uh, not as powerful as something like Python or Ruby, in my opinion. Um, and, and for whatever reason, I was, I was attracted to Python first, and that's just what I got started with. Oh, so very cool. So, I mean, at your time at Coloma, you say, um, I mean, one of the big things you were doing was uh, from a technology standpoint, just trying to research startups and figure out um, maybe an idea of their chance of succeeding. I mean, just coming from an environment where you were around people that were evaluating startups all the time, other than just, I mean, how good is other than just questions like, well, how good is their code? I mean, what are other really big things that, I mean, that matter to you guys when tr you're trying to evaluate a startup? I mean, for me and for my partners, I'll tell you a big thing for us is design. Um, and that's the reason why I like them so much. Um, I will be the first to admit that I can't uh, design very well at all. Um, but I understand good design and I value good design. Um, and so did they. So we were very design centric and we looked for a strong design team. Uh, and the reason for that is because design is the first thing uh, your customers see and, that, and that's what they feel, that's what they interact with. Um, you could have awesome code on the back end and it could be the most functional startup in the world. Uh, but if it looks like crap, nobody's going to want to use it. Um, so that, that's where I really hit it off with those guys. And that's an area that we really focused a lot on. Mm. So yeah, design and code and just all that stuff. It's it's like it's you know you're only as uh, you're only as strong as your weakest link, right? So it's it's a uh, it's a it's it's all a big deal, I guess. Um, you're you're currently working on another project called um, Album Jacket, correct? And so so what's all that? Yep. What's that all about? Uh, Album Jacket is. Uh... Is a, a twinkle in my eye. It's probably the funnest project I've ever worked on with some of the best designers. Um, it is. It's a beautiful product. Um, it was actually Album Jacket. What we're looking to do with Album Jacket is actually reinvent the vinyl. Um, so you know, most of the <laughs> most of the listeners of this show are are probably too young to have seen a vinyl. And and I actually didn't actually buy my first vinyl until I was 18. Um, but if you, when I bought my first vinyl. I, I was really taken back by how much art there was on the vinyl. So there's all this album art and lyrics and, and all of this cool content that came along with the album. That I'm an MP3 baby, so when I buy a CD online, um, all I all I get is you know however many files, ten files, and and my music, and that's it. Uh, with album jacket, what we're trying to look, what we're trying to bring back is the experience and that that art and that content that comes along with an album, we're trying to recreate that experience on a tablet. Uh, so the first version of our product, um, the first version of our product is actually for the iPad, but we're looking to expand into, into the Windows tablet and kind of create this old school vinyl experience with, with beautiful design and beautiful imagery and rich media content in like a, in an album that you can actually interact with. You know, you can kind of flip through it with your fingers. Um, you can interact with the vinyl, you know, you can lift up the needle and drop it down. Uh, it's just a really interactive and cool way um, to listen to music. Is this on getalbumjacket.com? That's it. Yep. Okay. Um, I, I really, 
personally, I really love this idea um, because I, I'm one of those people that I feel like a lot of things have been lost uh, with, you know, everything being digital now, um, especially with music. Like I, I remember buying CDs. I never bought a vinyl, but I, I remember buying CDs and, and looking through the art and reading all the lyrics um, and remembering those type of things. And that was part of the experience of buying music. Um, and I know that like my grandfather, he he's told me before that, that, that the part of the music listening experience was just sitting down and listening to music and not doing anything else, you know? Um, whereas now I feel like it's kind of our background music, you know, our, our background noise uh, is, is what music has become. So I, I really like this idea because of that. And I, I totally agree with that, with everything you just said there. And that's, I mean, that's probably core to our, our product vision is just trying to bring back, you know, just the, just the enjoyment of sitting down and like really listening to your music and, and kind of interacting with it. You have um, maybe a time when we can expect to actually get our hands on this? Um, well, that's a, that's a good question. So we're, we're hoping we've, we've actually have a working demo, uh, right now, but with any music startup, uh, a lot of the uh, difficulty that comes with it is, is actually kind of dealing with the record labels. Um, and a lot of what we're looking to do is actually get older, older records, uh, re-released through album jacket. Um, so as of right now, there, there's not a time frame, but we are really, really working hard to try and get that get that out to the public as soon as possible. Uh, another one of your big projects is Fondue, and it's an advertising network for food blogs. And uh, that was that was your creation, correct? Uh, yes. So that, that idea actually came from uh, Dashing Dish, uh, Brain Plays a Wife, who, who runs a food blog. And um, while, I was, while we were uh, talking about Dashing Dish one day, uh, Sean was Sean was telling me that there was a real need for good advertisement, uh, and I've always been interested in advertisement. So we actually uh, Sean did design for Fondue, and, and I actually uh, spent about six months, and I built a really cutting edge web server um, to serve up ads. And uh, I launched Fondue in uh, a couple months after that, and. Uh, the, the network's doing pretty well right now. It runs runs a couple of ads uh, on a, a couple of pretty big food blogs. Well, very cool. I guess the thing that really struck me about that is um, how I, I read someplace you said it was the first HTML5 um, ad service. And I, I guess I feel like maybe, especially in regard to advertising, the web is kind of in a state of flux right now, where, you know, with the rise of responsive and mobile and retina. It's just like so many of the old um, concepts and traditions and, I mean, so many of the old, you know, things that were just standard practice for web advertising is no longer, no longer works as well. So, I mean, where do you see web advertising going? That's a good question. And you brought up a good point because web advertising is probably one of, one of the slower uh, industries on the web in terms of technology adoption. Uh, what we did with Fondue was, was pretty cool because it was, it was I, I believe, as far as I know, the only ad network that actually showed HTML5 responsive ads on mobile devices and like in the browser. 
Um, so it was really cool. Uh, at the time, I was getting really into HTML5, and I was I was uh, trying to wrap my head around its awesomeness. Um, so it was a fun project for me. Uh, I think there's a lot of room to innovate um, right now with advertisement. You know, you've got your pretty standard, boring text-based ads, and then you've got rich media ads, which largely were flash um, until recently. Uh, they, they've finally started to port them over. But responsive ads, uh, I think that there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of room for innovation there. Uh, I think that's an area of the market that somebody could definitely come in with some cool technology and some cool front-end stuff and just kind of change things up. In your experience, uh, what's the response like when you go to a potential advertiser um, and try to explain what a responsive ad is and what the benefits of that are? And I mean, how, how has that gone for you? So I've actually never uh, talked to an advertiser about my technology before. Um, the main reason is that's because they're not interested in it, uh, and that would be a poor sell, selling point. My selling point for Fonity was we're going to sell you niche-specific ads to blogs that have huge followings. Um, one of the biggest problems with advertising is it's kind of a widespread type of thing. You buy an ad that runs off of a big network. Um, but that's a really big problem with food blogs because a lot of food blogs, for example, ran uh, health blogs, right? Health-conscious blogs. We want you to lose weight. When they put ads on there, and the ad network would run Pepsi ads on there with Pop-Tarts. That's against their mission statement. That's, that's the exact opposite of what they're telling their readers. Um, you know, if you're reading an article on healthy eating and then right on the side of the blog, it's like a huge ad for like Pop-Tarts or, or cake, you're going to be like, well, what is, what is this? This is uh, conflicting statements. Uh, so my biggest selling point was I'm going to give you guys an advertising uh, space where you can run ads on a network that is uh, – tailored toward your demographic. So if I sell health food bars, you don't need to worry about running health food bar ads on like a, a baking website where you're probably not going to be reaching your correct demographic. So there's highly targeted uh, niche specific ads and you know the results were a much higher click-through rating uh, than they had ex experienced on traditional ad networks. I, I think uh, something like this is really awesome. Um, because you know something, something that I, I thought was interesting uh, is that Google tracks everything that you do. Like the other day, I, I visited um, a site uh, called Indochino that they sell like these custom suits and custom shirts and everything. Um, so now, as I travel the web, I see a whole bunch of ads for Indochino now <laughs> because they're tracking what I'm doing. But uh, honestly, the 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 idea behind that is actually very smart, right? Because they're they're advertising things that are of interest to you. They're advertising things um, that that you've, you've showed interest in. And that's the same type of model that Facebook kind of does uh, with your likes. But this is a less intrusive way of doing that, right? Because you're, you're targeting ads to people that are already interested in that type of niche. Um, which, which I think is, is an amazing idea. I mean, we, we do the same with, with design and developer related things. So, Right, yeah, I actually got the idea for Fonity from like the deck um, or Fusion ads, if you're familiar with them, where they, where they kind of advertise very developer, designer-friendly products on, on blogs and different websites. You're also working on another startup. 
uh, believe it or not, called Banyan. So, so what's up with this one? So Banyan is actually my primary focus right now, uh, where, where most of my time has been going uh, for the last three months. Um, I've, I've been in uh, an incubator called uh, the Gig Tank, and uh, what, what I'm actually working on with Banyan is, is essentially making a GitHub for science. Um, so we're trying to kind of push the scientific and research community to be more open with the research and kind of build an ecosystem around them like GitHub has done for programmers, for them to share, to easily share and kind of fork each other's research and, and build upon it. So, um, so let's say maybe one science scientist is doing some kind of research on some kind of plant growth. Other people can come in and um, build off their research and add their own, and they can all benefit from it. I guess is kind of what we're thinking with that. That's exactly right. So I'll give you a use case um, of some users that we have on it right now. There's a team in Tampa uh, that's working with a team in Italy on on frog research. Uh, they're, they're doing biological research on a frog. And up until they started using Banyan, at the end of the week, uh, they would communicate by phone for like an hour a day, uh, or for, for an hour at the end of the week, and, and just say, hey, this is what we're doing over here. What are you guys doing over there? Uh, because it was just too tedious to share and track data. Um, so we gave them Banyan, and now they're able to share and track data with each other in real time. They're able to uh, conduct research, immediately upload it to the cloud. Uh, then they go to bed. The team in Italy wakes up. They get their research. They can look at it. They can build upon that, sync it back to the cloud, and then vice versa. Um, so it it's fits with their workflow. It allows them to, to collaborate and, uh, and, and share this data that they previously weren't able to do so. Um, and what we'd really like, kind of the ultimate vision for Banyan is do it, being able to do that for everything. Um, you know, there's hundreds of organizations around the world working to cure cancer. Um, and a lot of research uh, isn't being shared. But it, but it could be, and in my opinion, it should be. Uh, but the reason it's not is because there aren't, uh, you know, proper tools. Uh, a lot of things, uh, one, of the, one of the biggest cases I like to look at is, if you remember, SourceForge, uh, which was a private, or which was a code hosting, version control hosting, um, but it never really took off. And you look at GitHub now, and GitHub is just this huge company with with two million users and and major tech players that are uploading their uploading their code. I've learned an unbelievable amount from stuff that I found on GitHub, and I know other people have as well. Um, I, I know. Know a lot of developers and designers, you know, just like Dribble has done for designers, GitHub has done for programmers. Um, and I, I think there's a lot to be said about that. And I think uh, the, that method of information distribution really works well in science. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's a brilliant idea. And it really has, you know, the, you want to work on projects that are fun to work on, but I mean, it's also great to work on things that you believe in. And I think this one really has a, a great opportunity to, you know, just be good for the world. So uh, props to you for working so hard on that. And um, yeah, that's awesome. Is there uh, anything you are not working on? <laughs> like, See, that's a good question. I, I can't, because I, I can't believe, I mean, we've spent... Uh, close to 40 minutes talking about 
just things that you are working on or you've had some involvement with. Um, and I can't, I, I don't understand how you have the time for all of this. Um, and man, the creativity, because they're, they're projects that are all, that are all different. You know, they, they, they almost seem like if they don't have, uh, any, any connection between them. Um, but, but there's, they're exciting things and exciting projects. Well, I, I appreciate the kind of words. I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm really lucky because I, I, you know, I just turned 22. I get to wake up every day and work on things that, that I absolutely enjoy and love. Um, and I, I work from the moment I wake up until the moment I go to bed. Um, I get, I get to hang out with my co-founders who are great friends of mine. Um, and I just have fun. I mean, it doesn't feel like work at any point. I, I just feel like a kid playing. Um, I had somebody ask me the other day, what's it like to be a programmer? And uh, I told them it was like Legos for adults. You know, somebody gives you this box full of pieces. And you can build whatever you want. You can piece together anything that you want. And it's just, it's just so much fun, you know. Uh, I don't ever think about any any of the companies that I'm building or any of the, the startups that I'm working on as as work. It's just uh, it's just enjoy it's pure enjoyment for me, really. Yeah, it's it's the old saying, um, you know, enjoy what you do and you'll never work a day in your life, and that gets true. So, um, I mean, yeah, Tim touched on this, but I mean, you have got so many things on your plate. So, how do you balance your time? Um, well, I mean, I think the main thing that I do is, uh, just, I, I kind of budget things in a box, you know, I, I work on certain things, certain, for certain time periods, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put aside an hour a night to do something or, uh, I, I usually break up my day into blocks. So I'll work three hours on this. I'll work three hours on that. And, and I just, I, I just work a lot. I mean, that's the real thing. Uh, and I, I also uh, get plenty of exercise and I'm, I'm eating better as well. And that, that's the biggest thing is uh, if you just program all day and you're not getting exercise or proper, uh, you know, life work balance, um, it's going to be a problem. And on days when I'm tired, like if I wake up on a Monday and I'm tired, I'll just, uh, I'll either go, you know, get some fresh air exercise. I, I love to longboard. Uh, so I skate quite a bit. Uh, I just I just keep it balanced. I make sure that I don't get burnt out, um, and I just I just um, you know make sure that I get proper I got proper time to myself, and I'm honest with myself when I'm when I'm feeling tired. I I take the time off. So I mean, obviously, uh, you take a lot of opportunities that may present themselves. To, I mean, we've yeah, like Tim said, we've we've talked about things you're working on the whole show, but. How do you how do you decide which ones to go for and which ones to pass up? Because I'm sure there are many opportunities that you just hey I can't do this or hey I don't want to do this even. I, I would say uh, if I'm passionate about it, uh, like with Album Jacket, I love music and I'm working with uh, you know the founder of that startup, Mesh Rutani, is a good friend of mine. Uh, he was a friend before we were we were business partners, uh, so it was, it was easy. Uh, that was like a no brainer for me. I love music. I love mesh. Uh, so I was like, I'm going to work on this. Uh, with Banyan, uh, it was actually, Banyan was the, an idea. The original idea came from my little sister, who's actually a researcher. Um, and she, you know, she came to me and kind of presented me with the problem. And uh, I had been looking for 
I had just finished up a pretty big project and I had been looking for something to give back. I wanted to, uh, I started to feel like I, the, the things that I was making weren't necessarily advancing uh, the good of the world. And I, I wanted to work on something that had uh, like more meaning to it, you know, that could actually help people. You know, an, an ad network, as, as fun as it was to build, uh, doesn't really solve any real world problems. Um, so it's kind of looking, I was kind of looking for something like that. And that opportunity just kind of fell into my lap uh, just by way of my little sister. You know, she, she came to me complaining about a problem and asked me if I could solve it. And it was interesting enough uh, for me to actually take a look at it. And, and I just got hooked. I just got hooked on that. So, yeah, just... You know, go where your passion is because you'll always do better with that kind of stuff. Um, is there any upcoming speaking or projects, uh, anything you'd like to promo? Uh, so the only thing I've got uh, coming up is um, on August 9th, I've got a demo day where I'm actually competing through this program for a $100,000 prize for Alcatel, from Alcatel Lucent. Um, for Banyan. So we're, we're, in a, we're in a competition uh, to see who's building the most viable startup over the last three months um, at the Gig Tank. And, and you can check that out at thegigtank.com to kind of find out a little more about that program. And on, on August 9th, we actually pitch in front of a panel of judges and about 400 investors. Uh, and whoever is building, whoever has built the most viable business over the last three months wins 100 day. Wow, that's uh, that's quite a prize. I yeah, uh, so, I hope you guys win it. Thanks, thanks. I will uh, I will be letting everyone know if we do. I promise. <laughs> uh, so I hope we win it too. We've we've been working hard. Um, so I hope I, I hope it'll pay off, and I, I think it will pay off. Well, I I really hope it does for you guys, and uh, but all the best to you in that endeavor. Um, I I tweeted out about you know seeing if anybody had any listening listener questions. Uh, few hours before we recorded this and we did get one uh, you want to ask that tim yeah we have a question from george lee how did you get a reputation for freelance development how long did it take and what did you need to do also have you ever not wanted to work for a long time how'd you get over it so the way that i actually got involved in freelance development and kind of built the name for myself was uh uh largely by working with um Good designers, I think. Uh, I think that's where most of my reputation came from. Um, I was fortunate enough, was very fortunate enough to early on get hooked up with uh, Brent Clay, Sean Farrell, um, who's just an all-around great guy. And I did a couple of early projects for him. Um, and in the meantime, I, I was working on a lot of uh, just side WordPress side projects, um, and, and that kind of raised my visibility. I also tried to get out to board camps um, and just network. And uh, something I did um, that worked really well for me is on Twitter, uh, I would search every time I had just a couple of minutes uh, in between doing something, I would search for people on Twitter talking about WordPress. And uh, I would specifically look for somebody that had a problem with WordPress. And I would just try and solve it for them. Uh, and I, I, would, I would either contact them uh, directly or if they were leading me to the WordPress forums, which I would I would be all over the WordPress forums just trying to help people um, and just trying to learn uh, by helping people. And I think that really helped um, me as a developer, but I think it also really helped me market myself. Um, 
Some of the other things that I did in order to get out of the developer was I did startup weekends um, and just other other events like that where, where I would just go and either mentor people or just uh, just help develop applications. Um, and to answer the second part of your question, that's that's what's kept me motivated. Um, I like building things, uh, that, and I think a big part of that is is some of the early successes that I that I had uh, in my career really got me hooked. Uh, so if, if you have a lack of motivation, I, I would really recommend uh, getting kind of stepping away from professional work uh, on the weekends and stuff, and just kind of learning something fun and new and, and just building a side project. Uh, nothing crazy, you know, don't try and build the next Facebook in a weekend or anything like that, but see what you can build, uh, see what you can build it over the course of a month on, on a couple of weekends. And just build something simple, kind of start small and get it out there, get some feedback, and and uh, I think that'll keep you going, keep you passionate. Yeah, definitely. There's nothing like, I think I actually tweeted this the other day, but there's nothing like a little success to motivate you towards, uh, you know, trying to get more, so... Success right. is almost addictive in that in that way. So, man, thanks for coming on the show. This was uh this was an awesome episode. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. You can find Tony on his site, twogiraffes.com, or on Twitter as two giraffes. If you're a fan of the Young Gun Show, I'd really appreciate it if you would rate the show on iTunes. It's just about the best way there is to get the word out. Uh, Tim, it's been really great having you co-host this, and all the best to you. Thanks for listening, everyone.